Good morning to you all. I trust that you're all well. Um, I wonder how your week has been. Anyone um, brave enough to share how his week or her week was? Um, it looks like, you know, every time I attempted uh, to do this, not many of you come forth. Um, maybe it's strange, but it's part of what church is. Um, as church, we need to be vulnerable enough to actually share, uh, I've noted UD, to share what has, been, what has been happening in our week. And that's the only way we can pray for each other. That's the only way we can stand in the gate with each other and support each other. Uh, unless you share, nobody will know. And I think, I want to assure you, I've got a strong feeling and a strong sense that God, God has been up to many things. God has done a lot of things in our lives. And because we keep it to ourselves, nobody knows. And then we end up thinking that God is not at work. So please... Uh, I'm not forcing you, but I'm encouraging you to think twice because out of what God is doing, that's the, that testimony is powerful for somebody to hear and somebody to be encouraged by it. So Dee, you wanted to share your week? Uh, speak up. Right. So for those who are not hearing, D is excited and thankful to God for keeping him and taking care of him at school. Specifically, he was buzzing for joy last Friday because he was playing Kiwining Academy, where his friend in his class plays in Kiwining Academy. And if you want to find out more, speak to D afterwards. He will tell you what happened. Um, uh, I would like to invite Vivian to give us the notices, please. Well, good morning to you all. Welcome to our service today, whether you're here with us or whether you're watching at home. Please remember to keep Maima informed. I know things are easing up. A wee bit. We've still not had anything official through from the Church of Scotland. So at the moment we're continuing as we have been with reserving seats and keeping a note of who's here. Next Sunday we will celebrate the sacrament of baptism for David McLeod. Additionally, we will then admit David McLeod and Katie Flanagan as members of the congregation. So a really, really joyous occasion next Sunday for everyone. And we wish both of them well in that as they get ready for that Sunday. Articles for the February edition of The Messenger are needed by next Sunday, please. If anyone still has to give their £9 donation towards their postal copies, then please get it as soon as possible to Elizabeth McMahon. Additionally, if you or anyone you know would like to be added to the postal list, please speak to Stuart or to Elizabeth. We also have a few spaces available for new advertisers in the magazine. If you know of anyone, maybe a shop or a business that you use, then please let Stuart or Elizabeth know as well. 
Prices start from just £40 for a year, which is less than £4.50 per issue. The Kirk Session will meet on Thursday the 10th of February at half past seven. Details will be sent out with the papers as to whether it will be held in person or via Zoom. The craft team and country dancing are still not meeting at the moment due to the restrictions. Care and share lunch will take place as normal on Friday. And a reminder that we, everyone should be filling out one of the GDPR consent forms. If you've not already done so, there are some in the vestibule at the front of the church. And if you've got any concerns about it, please speak to myself or to Stuart. Copies of the Word for Today and the Word for You are also in the front vestibule. If you would like one, please help yourself. And last, but by no means least, I'd like to celebrate the generosity of the congregation. We've had a letter of thanks for all the Christmas gifts that we collected. Seems a long time ago, but we have had a letter through thanking us very much for all our donations. And also a big thank you to all those who donated for the Christmas Fair appeal. The donations amounted to £1,531. So a great amount of money that was raised. So thank you all very, very much indeed for your generosity. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Vivian. Today is special, especially, especially for me, uh, because you know I, I do sometimes take notes in service. Um, so today I'll be taking notes um, as I welcome uh, uh, Andrew Bruce, to preach uh, today, and I'm so delighted uh, for him coming to preach and sharing a service with him. Uh, God bless you, Andrew. Um, so I've asked uh, before how your week has been, whether your week was exciting or your week was, you know, accompanied with a lot to think about or whether you had challenges this week, hear these words as we come to worship and we continue to worship God. He is our refuge and our strength and our fortress, our God in whom we trust. Let us confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. He is alive today. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let us call upon our true God, believing in him, in our hearts and confessing with our mouths and worshipping him with our voices. Even whether we are good at singing or not, but I can assure you, you are all good at singing. We join our hearts as we sing together hymn 201, Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness.
Our Father in heaven, thank you that you promise us that where two or three are gathered, you are there in our midst. Lord, we welcome you amongst us today and celebrate the gift of life that you have lavished upon each of us. We ask that you would open our ears so that we may hear your voice. Open our minds so that we may receive your eternal wisdom. Open our spirits so that we may know your leading and guidance. And open our hearts so that we may receive your wonderful love. Father, we ask that you help each of us delight in your grace in this new year, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may abound in hope. And may we carry and share this abounding hope of Jesus Christ in all we say and do, and pass this hope on to those with whom we come into contact. Lord, we especially ask for your blessing on this congregation and its minister and office bearers as we move forward in this renovated building. Give us the strength to properly serve this local community, which is in great need of your grace. We thank you for everyone gathered here now. Thank you that you know each of us by name and have caused us to walk with you. We know that we are dependent on you and our trust is in you completely. As we surrender ourselves in adoration, we ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit and inspire our hearts today. Come fill our lives with your love. Fill our conversations with your grace and truth. Fill this service with your presence. We ask all this for your glory and praise, and in the words left to us by your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, we continue. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you, John. Um, I'll come out from behind the lectern because I've got a word for our young people and, uh, and also for our not-so-young people. Um, I quite like coming out because I can move about a bit. It was a habit I got into when I was teaching because you, you moving target, you know. <laughs> when I was a, a, a very small boy, um, younger than Dee and Ethan, but uh, a little bit older than Henry and Dylan, I wasn't at school. And I remember my, my dad came in and he was carrying what appeared to be a box and it had a cover over it, right? And I said to him, oh, daddy, what's that? And he, I thought he said, it's a budgie's cage. Though he says that what he actually said was, it's a bird cage. And I just assumed it was a budgie in a cage. And I was very excited. And then he put it down and he took the cover off and guess what it wasn't? It wasn't a budgie in a cage. <laughs> and I was very upset. You know what it was? It was a television. <laughs> now, you have to understand, this is back in the early 1950s. And not a lot of people had televisions. And this television, the screen was smaller than the front of that lectern. And uh, it was only black and white. There was no colour in those days. And it, oh, you only got one channel. That was it. It was the BBC or nothing. And they used to shut it down uh, over tea time so that children could get their tea and get off to bed. Uh, and so on. It wasn't until, oh, well, I was about nine or ten, that we finally got a bigger television. 
and it had two channels. It had BBC and it had ITV, and ITV had adverts, and it was the first time I'd ever come across adverts. And in those days, they had little jingles. You, you, you wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. <laughs> um, so it was a sticks in the mind. Yes, thank you. Um, and one advert I remember distinctly, and it could only work in black and white. It wouldn't have worked the same way in colour. You two men, and one of them had a gleaming white shirt, a really gleaming white shirt. And another one came along, and his shirt was almost grey. And of course, in black and white television, you could see, oh, that one's really white, and that one's really quite grey. And the, the went, the, if I remember, something like, uh, somebody doesn't use Persil. You know, Persil's a soap powder. And the implication was that the person with the gleaming white shirt had used Persil, and the other person hadn't. That reminded me of a story I heard once about a minister that was going on a railway journey. And he was going across a moor, and out in the wilds, quite high up, and he passed this lovely white cottage. And it looked really bright against the, the green and the brown and the purple of the, the moor. And he thought, that really looks, that's really white, that's really good. And then on his return journey, it had snowed. And when he passed the cottage, he realised that compared to the snow, the cottage really looked quite dull and quite grey. And that, what the, the point that the minister took from that is, when we compare ourselves to the brightness, the light of Jesus, then we really don't compare. So we might look at somebody and think, well, that's a very, very good person. They are very light, they're very good. And then when we compare that to Jesus, it's really quite, we are really quite grey. And so that's what I want you to take from that, that the, nothing can compare to the, the light of Jesus. Well, we're going to have our next hymn, and I think you're going to be going out at either the end or during that hymn. And the hymn is, I don't have the number, but it's um, Longing for Light, We Wait in Darkness. <laughs>
Our reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and it's chapter 5, and reading from verse 8. And John's going to read for us. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word, and to his name be all the praise and the glory. Amen. Thank you, John. And now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We take uh, light for granted. I'm just thinking about the wonderful lighting we have in this, this church. And we are used to street lighting, used to shops even when they're closed, they, they are lit up. Um, now when we go into our lounge, I can ask Alexa to switch the lights on. And say we take it for granted. So can't really stress the importance of light to people in ancient times. They lived at this time of year, particularly if you're in the northern hemisphere, they lived in darkness for a lot of the day. And there wasn't much in the way of light and warmth and so on. So it's not surprising that in many ancient societies they worshipped the sun because they thought at this time of year, for example, that they just hoped that the sun would come back in its full glory. And they didn't really understand the seasons. I think some of the ancient people were afraid that when the sun set it might not rise again and that would be the end of life. And uh, as I say, many worshipped the sun, including the Romans. The Romans had a particular festival where they worshipped the sun, and it was held in what is now the 25th of December. And no prizes for finding that when the Christians decided to commemorate Christ's birth, they picked that date. And so the worshipping the sun, S-U-N, was replaced by worshipping the sun in the S-O-N. And light played a big part in one of the Jewish feast days, <clears throat> what was known as the Feast of the Booths, or sometimes the Tabernacles. It was the seventh festival of the Jewish year. It was celebrated in October, and it was to commemorate the time they spent in the desert before entering the Holy Land. And so what people did um, is they set up little makeshift um, houses or tents uh, outside the city walls. And this was to remember how the Jewish people had lived after they'd left Egypt. And Jewish men were obliged to attend and live in these temporary huts. Part of that festival was to have uh, a temple. They had four massive candelabra, if you might call them. And these were at the top of uh, towers that were, it's estimated were about 75 feet high. And the torches at the top held 65 litres of oil. 
it was up to the younger and fitter uh, priest to shin up on the, in the evening and light these. And it must have given off an absolutely awesome light for people in those days uh, to have this amount of light. It must have been awe-inspiring. And it said, though I haven't been able to check it for sure, but it said that it was after, it was in the morning after these illuminations that Jesus said in um, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now that section of Ephesians that uh, John read teaches us to walk in the light in three ways. To walk in the light by exhibiting light, to walk in the light by exposing darkness, and finally, we walk in the light by exhorting unbelievers. Now, the people in Ephesus had walked in spiritual darkness until their conversion to Christ. And Paul, in his letter, is telling them to reflect the light. Now, to try and explain what Paul was meaning, I want to quote um, an American pastor of the 1940s and 50s, Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. And I think he illustrates this point very well. <coughs> he says, when Christ was in the world, he was a shining sun. He was a light that we couldn't even look at. It was so bright. But then, eventually, that shining sun set. We cannot see that light any longer, though it's there. We simply physically can't see it. But what we do see is the moon. And the moon has no light of its own, but it can shine brightly. And it's reflecting the light of that unseen sun. So what Paul is trying to say is that we should be like the moon and we should reflect the light of Christ out into the world. Now we all know that the moon sometimes is full and it's bright. At other times it's just a crescent and at other times we can't see it at all. And the church can be a bit like that. Sometimes we have shone brightly and other times, not so brightly. But Paul is making the point as well that we are more than just a reflection. In verse 8 he says, and I'm reading from my English Standard Version, Now you are the light in the Lord. What he's saying is the light is within us. So as well as reflecting it, it is in us. And that light shines out depending on how close we are in union with Jesus. I'll give you an illustration the, a couple of weeks back. Thanks to these pesky masks, when I was taking my mask off, I managed to damage the tube of my uh, hearing aid. And very annoyingly, um, it kept coming on and it kept going off. And it kept telling me that it was, uh, it was about to load up and then so on. And uh, so I got very frustrated, a bit like if you've got a light and you've got a bad connection, it keeps going on, it keeps going off, and so on. And it depends on how good your connection is. 
So the light that we reflect, the light of Jesus, depends on how well we are connected to Jesus. And it's a very personal thing. And Jesus says in uh, Matthew 5, in part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says to his followers, you are the light of the world. Now Paul explains the characteristics of being light in verse 9 of Ephesians, the Ephesians that uh, John read. And he says, the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. So we reflect the light when we do what is good and right and true. In other words, when we imitate Jesus. The other thing that Paul says is to walk in the light by exposing darkness. <coughs> now, there is much darkness in the world today. And we should not hang back from exposing evil. Now, I know this is a recurring theme of mine, and I keep banging on about it. But I think we are often in the church too timid in speaking out and acting. I think sometimes we are afraid of exposing ourselves to hostility, ridicule, scorn, indifference. But I point out that Jesus spoke out strongly against the darkness of his day. And if we are going to walk in the light, we have to do that as well. Paul says in the second part of verse 14, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Now Paul is probably quoting um, Isaiah, um, chapter 60, verse 1, when it says, <laughs> Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now this is taken to be prophetic, looking forward to Jesus. But I think Paul is using it in a very definite way. When he refers to the sleeper awaking, that's the unbeliever. The unbeliever that we have to urge to wake when he talks about arise from the dead, well, we know the wages of sin are death. So we need to repent. There's a need for repentance. And when he says Christ will shine upon you, that means that the good news of the gospel that God has provided a remedy for every sinful person who repents and believes in Jesus Christ. Now, on this topic of exhorting the unbelievers, I think sometimes in the church we're too busy wringing our hands over falling rolls, crumbling buildings, and it's too easy to forget why we exist as a church. In recent times, there's been much talk in the the presbytery here in Adrossen about appraisal. The session had a meeting with two people from the appraisal committee of the, the presbytery to discuss where we, we might go. And they've had meetings with um, all congregations, except, unfortunately, the poor folk in North Parish had their meeting uh, cancelled. 
Um, but as much talk as I say about appraisal. Now, if Jesus was to appraise our church, what would he look for? He wouldn't be bothered if our role isn't quite up to date, if we haven't had our records attested. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely am taken in by this wonderful building. And it is a real inspiration to stand here. I said to the Thursday folk, and to be looks a pity you all can't see it, to look up at that glorious window up there and this wonderful bright building. And it's a real pleasure. And I love being here. But at the end of the day, Jesus wouldn't bother with a meeting in a field, in a tent. You see, it's all for nothing. Everything that we do in the church is all for nothing if we stop being a church with a mission. And the starting point for mission is walking in the light. And as Paul said, exhibiting that light, exposing the darkness, and bringing that good news to everyone. I think Paul's views and words are summed up in the, the words that we found in Proverbs 4, verse 8. And it says, But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And we have to believe that that is what is happening and what will happen in the world. The light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And that sun will return. There will be dawn. So let us pray. Dear Lord, let us reflect your light, the light of Jesus Christ, the light that was brought into the world. And we pray that we may reflect that light. Dear Lord, in the name and in the spirit of Jesus, we bring our gifts to you and seek the grace to give with them a ready mind, a willing spirit and a joyful heart and to dedicate our lives to the truth of your gospel for the sake of Jesus Christ in whom we see your everlasting goodness reflected and receive your kindly care. Loving God, you care for all your children. You know each one and hear each prayer. You know each house and see each need. Give peace and love to those who call upon you and receive us into the kingdom of your light. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next hymn is... Um, Lord, the light of your love is shining.
Let us once more join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. God of wisdom and love, giver of all good things, we thank you for your loving kindness and for your constant care over all creation. Loving God, bless your church here and everywhere. Confirm your people in the faith of the gospel. Inspire them with love for your house, zeal in your service, and joy in the well-being of your kingdom. We pray for those in government, whether it be local or national. We ask that they behave with integrity, that they act with justice, they act in the interests of all, and be servants rather than masters. Bless this, the whole world with peace. Kindle in the hearts of all people a true love of peace and guide with your wisdom the leaders of the nations to whom your kingdom may advance until the earth be filled with the knowledge of your love. Loving God, remember the whole human family, especially those who hunger for food or justice those who lack homes or human dignity, so many unknown to us and yet known to you and each a child of your love. Remember your people in every part of the world redeemed by Christ, dedicated to service, called to love. <clears throat> Remember those who are ill or sorrowing, those who are concerned for dear ones, those who have difficult choices to make, especially any known to us that we now remember in a moment of silence. And these people whom we commend to you now, may they know that nothing is able to separate them from your love in Christ Jesus. And by your mercy bring us at the last with all your faithful people to the peace and joy of your nearer presence, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We conclude our service by singing the hymn, We Have Heard a Joyful Sound.
And now go out into the world in peace. Love your God with all your heart. Be challenged by the Spirit's prompting. Hear the call to serve Christ and be obedient to God's will. May God bless us and the Spirit restore us and Christ's presence strengthen us now and always. Thank you.